whether it's through an activity that you find your fulfillment or doing volunteer work, everybody thinks it's going to have a different way of discovering what works for them and makes them happy and keeps them active and healthy. You know, again, the worst case scenario is just to sit at home. You got to have something that gets you out of the house and that gives you some purpose. Dave Hogan's favorite core pursuits are writing and cycling. Whether it's his fingers on the keyboard or his feet on the pedals, he is on the move. A certified financial planner and former journalist, the now semi-retired author is passionate about riding e-bikes and spreading retirement joy. He runs two blogs, one about retirement and one about e-bikes. If you don't know what an e-bike is, you're about to get a crash course, without crashing, of course. By the end of this interview, you'll be ready to strap on your helmet and hit the open road. Dave is nowhere near ready for the rocking chair, and I'm guessing you aren't either. What tips does he have for making your retirement years one of the best stages of life? Listen and find out. Do you ever wonder who you'll be and what you'll do after your career is over? Wouldn't it be nice to hear stories from people who figured it out, who are thriving in retirement? I'm Ryan Doolittle. After working with the Retire Sooner team for years and researching and writing about how they structure their lifestyles, I know there's more to be learned. So I'm going straight to the source and taking you with me. My mission with the Happiest Retirees podcast is to inspire 1 million families to find happiness in retirement. I want to learn how to live an exceptional life from people who do it every day. Let's get started. Dave Hogan, thanks for coming on the Happiest Retirees podcast. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, thanks for buying that headset mic. You look great. <laughs> I need one anyway, so you did me a favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was such a coincidence because I recently interviewed a uh, pickleball champion, Owen Mitchell. And yes. then I found out later you had written an article about him for, I think, for your This Retirement Life blog. That's correct. Yes. I'd love to do profiles of inspirational, exceptional, you know, retirees. And Owen is certainly one of those. He's an amazing guy, very disciplined. Yeah, I was thinking we could do the whole hour about him. Is that okay? <laughs> we certainly could. He he would be happy about that. <laughs> no, there's too much good stuff you've got going on. We, we We have plenty to talk about. So, okay, Dave, you have, before we even get started, I want to get into these two incredible blogs you have. And you can explain you know, blog can kind of encompass a lot of things, but one is called this e-bike life, which is kind of yes. how we found you. Okay. And the other is this retirement life. So you want to just explain those a little bit? Yes. Right. I started the, this retirement blog, oh, probably six years or so ago because one of my personal hobbies is bicycling and I got into e-bikes. I started writing more and more on, on the retirement life about e-bikes and realized this is really why these people signed up, you know, for this blog just to hear about my bicycle adventures. So I started a separate blog about two years ago for the e-bike stories. And, and it really has merged into, morphed into more cycling in general, not just e-bikes, but all types of issues involving cycling. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, I was looking through, I think I was look well, I was looking through both, but when I saw this yeah. retirement life, I, I thought, well, this can't all be just Dave. There were so many articles, but they all said written by Dave Hogan. I will occasionally have a guest uh, uh, contributor you know, to the blog, but yes, 95% of it is me. And I would love to write more, but as we'll get into later, I, I still have some work responsibilities too and you know, other things going on in my life. So one thing I found about blogging is, I mean, you could make a 
a full-time pursuit of it easily. You know, interviewing oh, yeah. people and chasing stories, doing research, marketing in the blog, you know, it, it could be a full-time pursuit and frankly, probably an enjoyable one for me since I like to write. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I just don't have that time. So I do what I can with it, but I enjoy uh, the experiences. As I said, I get to meet some great people like Owen Mitchell who have exceptional stories to tell. Yeah. And you know, when I hear you say you just don't have time, I, that's uh, such a consistent <laughs> thing that I hear yeah. from happy retirees. Hmm. The happiest yes. retirees don't have time because they're constantly doing tons of fun things. Oh, I think that's true. And in my case, you know, I, I still, as you and I have talked offline, I still work uh, part-time and that job can sometimes be pretty busy. I have str- big weeks, slow weeks, heavy weeks. So that takes a lot of time. So that's kind of my first priority. Yeah, I'm still a paid position. So I have to do that first. But then while I have time, sure, there's always another bike trail I haven't ridden yet that I'd love to, to ride somewhere or travel pursuits for my wife and I, writing for the blog. There's always something to do. Oh, for sure. Okay, let's get a little bit into your story so we can set up who you are. Uh, wh- okay. What did you do? Where are you from? And what did you do during your primary working years? Yeah, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. That was my hometown and where my wife and I met at the University of Memphis as college students. But we've been away from there for a long time and have, have moved around mostly in the southeastern U.S. We've been in North Carolina and South Carolina and Florida primarily is, is, is where we've lived the most and then, and then also Texas. I've done a variety of things. I've had to sort of reinvent myself. My degrees were in journalism. I have the undergraduate degree from University of Memphis graduate degree later from Ohio State, the Ohio State University, I should say. Yeah, you uh, got to add that V. Yeah, yeah go <laughs> Buckeyes, right? So uh, I was a, a newspaper journalist for several years right out of college. Yeah, it's a good thing. I guess I got out because yeah, I could see the writing on the wall already that that field didn't seem to have a good future to it and wasn't making the progress I wanted to make career-wise. So moved into other fields and to financial planning, investment work uh, for, for about a decade and moved into investor relations work, which most people don't know what that is, but it's representing a public company to their shareholder base. And, oh, and then, interesting. Yeah, then, yeah, and public relations work, uh, worked for a couple of universities in, in public relations field. And the last 10 years has probably been the most enjoyable of all uh, career-wise for me. I've worked for a nonprofit. It's a Christian Academy and Children's Home in Central Florida. And I've thoroughly enjoyed that. I'm in marketing and fundraising for them. They call it development work. And it's been very rewarding. And, you know, like a lot of nonprofits, they do very good work as as you get to see the progress that children and and families are making as they go through the program. So it's it's been a a great adventure. So that's, that's how I've ended my career in the nonprofit side. Yeah, you had mentioned you and... I should say volunteering always tops the list yes. that, uh, in our research for what happy retirees like to do. And you sort of expected to be volunteering, but it turned I into a, a part-time job. Yes, I actually was working full-time for the children's home. And then about six years ago now, I was at a point where I was thinking about retiring someday, but didn't know quite when. And our daughter got pregnant, gave us our, our first and only grandchild. And I was working for Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. It's working in Florida, the children's home. She was in Texas. And so my wife and I talked about the side. We wanted to spend part of our year in Texas near our granddaughter. And so I approached my uh, bosses at the uh, children's home and academy and 
And we worked out terms where I would go, kind of, I guess you could call it semi-retirement, but I'm working part-time and I've done that now for six years in that capacity. So I went from full-time to part-time with the same nonprofit. So in a way, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I, I wanted to do volunteer work anyway when I retired, and now I'm getting paid to do so. So that works <laughs> out well. <laughs> yeah, that works out great. <laughs> yes. And so you live part-time in Texas, part-time in Florida, right? Yes. You, that's what you said? Yes. So do you own do you own in both places? Do you rent? How do you do that? We do. We had yeah, you know, we're not wealthy people. We had one, you know, nice house there in central Florida and that we uh decided, well, what are we gonna do? You know, if we want to spend part time at both places, we're gonna need a home, but we can't afford to buy two houses. And so we sold that main home and bought into a fifty five plus manufactured home community in Florida. Those are, are quite common down here. They're mobile yeah. homes, but, but you know, nowadays it's more politically correct to call them manufactured homes, but uh, oh, okay. Hey, yeah, don't call the trailers. <laughs> no, they're not trailers. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's a nice community, but still a relatively low cost. Uh, so we put part of the money from our house into that, and then bought a, a just a modest condo out in Texas. And so both oh. of them work real well because both of them are the type houses we can lock the door and walk away from. We don't have any outside maintenance to do at either place. You know, yeah, someone, someone else is taking care thing. of that. Yeah, so it's worked out very well for us. We've got good neighbors both places, have enjoyed both homes. And you don't have to rent out one of them while you're not there? Yes, you know, we've debated about that because I guess we could, or we could do an Airbnb or something. Yeah, but you know, it, you know how it is, it's your stuff. And we just don't yeah. want to go to the, <laughs> yeah, to the bother of having to deal with other people coming into our home. Yeah. If you, if you don't have to do it, obviously it's right. preferable. Yeah. yeah. And when you're in Texas, are you in Abilene? I think that's where your granddaughter Yes. Lives. It's a mid-sized town, about uh, three hours west of Dallas. Three hours. Okay. So is that, consi- I know West Texas is like a region that West yes. Texans are proud of. So that counts as that. We're, 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 yes. We're in the oil belt out here in West yeah. Texas. Yes. And then when you're in Florida, you're in near Orlando? Yes, it's Mount Dora is where the children's home is located. We live nearby, and it's about, you know, depending on where in Orlando you're going, but from the center of Orlando, about one hour north. Okay, very, okay, very, gotcha. Very beautiful area state. Lots of the big live oak trees with the Spanish moss and lots of lakes. In fact, our county is called Lake County, and there's oh. literally hundreds of named lakes within the county. So it's very and pretty. And they all have... They all have alligators in them, right? The- they do. Every one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they don't today, they will tomorrow. Yes. They, You're yes. right. Yeah. <laughs> assume they do and you'll be well, safe. I assume, yes. <laughs> I see people out there uh, you know, doing the tubing and, you know, paddleboard stuff and all that. Oh, you know, I don't know. I, I want to be a good solid boat if I'm in the water down there. <laughs> We went down to Orlando for a for a convention, and I didn't even want to step in a puddle. I I mean, I'm not from there, so I'm scared. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Dave, why are you a happy retiree, and why do you think people can benefit from listening to your story? Yeah, it's always a hard question to answer about yourself, but I think if there's a few things perhaps that I could share about my story that maybe can help someone else. One is I think it's really important, you know, in retirement to have a, a purpose. Now, in my case, of course, still working part-time gives me some of that purpose because I work for a nonprofit. They do good work. I love the cause. And so it's easy to to do that work, but it gives me something each day to get up. I've got an agenda. I've got things to do. So whether it's working or 
volunteering for a nonprofit, maybe you know being a caregiver or somehow involved helping with the grandchildren or parents or you know you got to have something that motivates you to get up. So have, having a purpose, I think, is really important. Everybody's wired differently. I don't want to criticize someone that finds happiness in playing golf every day of their life. But, you know, to me, it's got to be more than that. So I, I enjoy my bike, for instance, but do I want to ride every day for 20 miles? No, not really. I mean, I, yeah. I, I ride several days a week, but, I don't, you know, that's not my something I want. That's not the main thing I do. Right. So I think it's a good, good out purpose. I guess, secondly, too, I think it's really good to keep an optimistic outlook. Too many old people <laughs> get in that rut of complaining about things, complaining about how, you know, life is so much better back when, and complaining about young people today, you know, those kinds of things. I think that tags you as an old person. So I think you got to keep yeah. young at heart, so to speak, keep optimistic. I'm, I'm one of those, I'm not afraid of technology. I'm not afraid of the future. Some things are going to get better. Some things are going to get worse, but that's the way the world is. But, yeah. you know, I think we live in exciting times and, and I don't want to dwell on the past. The past is the past and some of it was better than now. Some of it was a lot worse than now. You know, so I think yeah. it's good to keep optimistic and keep looking ahead and not backwards. Well, I, I guess the purpose of this podcast isn't just for me to be happier, but I want to say that that advice I, I'm going to use because I do, <laughs> I'm in my forties, but I still find myself sometimes being the crotchety old guy who's like, why are these kids doing this? You know? So I think that you're right. A lot of the new ideas and, and methods are good. You know, they're, they improve life. So yes. um, having an open mind to that is a positive. Yes. It is. And I work, you know, working at a, uh, an academy, a school, I'm around a lot of young people and some of them are absolutely amazing young people who are very focused, very dedicated to what they do, who are accomplishing things at their age. I would have never accomplished. So, you know, yeah. when people say, you know, how bad kids are today, I say, well, you know, they're good and they're kids and they're bad kids, but our generation was the same. I'm sure. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, there are, Lots of wonderful young folks out there who who give who give me hope, you know, for the future. Right. Whenever I'm around, I have I have a niece and a nephew who are young, and I have a one year old, so he's a little too young to have conversations with so far. <laughs> although we try, yeah. Uh, but the my niece and nephew, I'm just I, I don't remember being that smart when I was that young. That <laughs> so I'm very much optimistic about that. They seem very smart kids today. So yeah. Okay, so let's see. We talked about what listeners can learn from you. Is there anything that you would say that could help spark someone who's maybe trying to find that purpose? Did you already know what yours was, or did you have to search for it? Well, I mean, it's changed somewhat. I think I'm a person of faith, and I thought, you know, maybe when I was your age or in my 50s, I assume when I retired, I would maybe get more involved in church work, perhaps be an elder officer at my church and probably find one or two nonprofits to get engaged in. That's what my vision was of this stage of life. So it's changed some, but I do work still for a faith-based nonprofit, so you know, I'm not too far from where I plan to be. But I think it is good to start thinking about it early. You, know, you don't want to wait till you're 65 to start thinking, well, what am I going to do next? So it's good to have some thoughts about that ahead of time, what you want to do when you do retire, and maybe even plan for it, perhaps Perhaps you want to go back to school and get a degree and start something else. I, mean, I saw a story recently about a woman in her early 70s who got a medical degree that wants to be a doctor. That really? I mean, 
she's like 72, but I mean, why not? Wow, right? I mean, more, more power to her. You know, she may have 15 or 20 years to practice medicine and you know, who knows? And so, but I think whatever the dream is, you, you need to have some, some, something you can aim for and you know, put into practice. Another good reason to do that too, sometimes retirement for, you know, comes to people before they're ready for it. And so if you oh, wait right. too late to yeah. start thinking about it, planning for it, you can be caught flat-footed because the boss may call you in you know, when you're 61 or, or, or whatever and say, you know, you're done. And, and then all of a sudden you're retired where you didn't plan to be yet. Yeah, I, I interviewed a guy who that happened to, and he thought, you know, he was forced into retirement at a younger age, I yeah. think in his 50s. And he thought, wow, I just won the jackpot. They're going to give me a severance. I don't have to work. And then he all of a sudden he found out he was depressed. Yes. So yes. It, it, it can it really, yeah. right. So it takes more than just yeah. not working. You have to have a reason that you want to get up and, and go do something. And when you talk about the woman that wanted to become a doctor later in life, I mean, you know, when I, when, at least when I was younger, I thought, well, the journey doesn't start until like in her case, maybe she becomes the doctor, but no, becoming the doctor is also such a rewarding, you know, that process of, of learning yeah. and all of that, it's all, it all counts. So that's very, very interesting. Okay. So you began your career as a newspaper journalist. Was that, yes. where was that? Worked for two newspapers, first in my hometown in Memphis, Tennessee. And then later, after I got out of graduate school, went to work for a newspaper in, uh, uh, called Florida Today in the uh, oh. Space Coast area, Brevard County, Florida, uh, Melbourne, Cocoa Beach area. Oh, by Cape Canaveral? or That's, that's mm -hmm. what I yes. think of. Okay. Yes. And, and you, the paper was in Memphis, the original? The first paper, yes. Ba that was back okay. in the days when, now you're right, you wouldn't you remember this, but most large cities used to have a morning newspaper and an afternoon newspaper. That was common back then. I've and heard, so, I've heard, yeah. Yeah, so I worked <laughs> for the afternoon newspaper, and we were quite competitive with each other. I think, Oh, in, yes, I mean, with the morning and the afternoon paper, you know, I was on a beat, and, you know, if, if I got scooped in my beat by the morning paper, my boss would be all over me, like, why didn't you get that story first, you know? So, so you know, it was oh. a good thing for the public because we were, there were two of us, and we were competing with each other. It was a sibling rivalry, and everyone else benefited. Yeah. We were under the same ownership, yeah. but we were on different floors of the, of the same building. And honestly, we didn't have much interaction between us because we, we wanted to keep independent from each other. Oh, I and, see. And competitive. And how did that work? If you had a you had a deadline or, or you were sitting on some breaking story, you'd have to wait all the way until the afternoon or you, would, you wouldn't share that with the morning people so they could get it out there? No, we were very independent at that point. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so... We would do our best to get the story out, you know, on our time frame if we could. Yeah. But, okay. You know, those were kind of the glory days of journalism in a way, you know, back when newspapers really had a, a lot of muscle. Most people took, you know, subscribed to the local paper, one or both of them. And yeah, newspapers really mattered. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the, yeah, after online, of course, came about the ad revenue all went elsewhere. That was the, the end of the, uh, the glory days, at least, of newspapering. Yeah, I you know I've tried to sort of rekindle it just in my life. I, I subscribed to the paper, and then it just kept piling up, and I would read the stories online anyway. So it, it's it's tough to to get back to yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have you've talked about this, but I want to kind of label it. You have two. Well, you have made probably more than two, but your two biggest core pursuits would you say are writing and and cycling? 
Yes, and they go together well. So, of course, one of my blogs is about cycling. But again, you know, I first got my love for writing. I was on the high school newspaper staff and went on to major in journalism in college. So I've always enjoyed to write, and hopefully I'm halfway decent at doing so. And so that's when I retired. I think so, from that what I've read. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ryan. <laughs> I did think when I retired, I would like to spend more time writing. So that's where I decided to start the blog. And also, yeah, began to, to write on my first book. I have, well, my, my only book so far, but I wrote a book about e-bikes, electric bikes and cycling, primarily geared toward the senior audience. Because it was at that time, I thought of the book as an offshoot of my retirement blog. So oh, it was geared okay. toward, toward the senior age market, you know, about why I get back into cycling and, you know, how to do it as a senior. And that book still, still, it, it was published in December of 21. So it's almost two years old now. They're still circulating us, you know, on Amazon and Apple and Barnes Noble, all those sites. Two big core pursuits are riding and cycling. And what I yes. loved about that was you mentioned that one exercises your mind and the other one exercises your body. And both of those are so important for health and happiness. Yeah, that's true. Thanks. Obviously, of course, riding is a good intellectual pursuit. You know, you're, I'm always looking for the next idea or the next person to interview requires doing some research and then the writing and then the production side, you know, putting the blog together, you know, getting the style correct and getting it out there to the public. So there's a lot of pieces to doing our blogs that certainly keeps the mind active. And the bike is really good for mental health as well as for, uh, as for physical health. So cycling uh, has a number of benefits, I think, again, particularly for, for senior adults. And many times, too, particularly now that we have electric assist bicycles, which is what an e-bike is, you still pedal, but, but it has an electric assist to it. Now that those are available and more and more seniors are able to get on a bike and ride, you know, where it may have gotten too hard to ride a traditional bicycle, now that there's a little bit of an electric boost that will help you, cycling all of a sudden becomes alive again as something that seniors can do. And it opens up really a whole new lifestyle because you find there's I guess thousands of trails, but trails all over the country and even in other nations that make great travel opportunities. And I've traveled to several states, you know, for the primary purpose of just riding on some bike trails that I had read about. I think so four, you've been to 14 states, right? Yes, I've ridden trails about 14 states, about 50 bike trails altogether. Wow. And honestly, that small potatoes, some of the some of the guys who are really passionate about this and who are maybe fully retired. I've seen some of, you know, done 150 or more trails and it's really, oh my really gosh. It, it gets to be a bit addictive, I guess, like lots of hobbies, but it's so much fun to be out there. There's something about a bicycle that's unique and you got there, you yeah. know, the wind's blowing in your face and it just feels really good to be out there in nature on a bike. And some of the bike trails, uh, like I did, for instance, the uh, Coeur d'Alene trail up in, in uh, Northern Idaho, this beautiful scenery, I'll go through the mountains and the woods up there in Idaho. I mean, it just can't beat the experience. Yeah. And when you do that, are you on an e-bike or you're on kind of a Tour de France bike? I don't know what else to call, no, call that my, kind of I have, bike. Yeah. We talk about bikes, too. There's so many different types of bikes. Like you said, there's the Tour de France. You have the racing style bikes with the low handlebars and the skinny tires. That's not what I ride. I mean, more power to those who do. That's, that's great. And there's still a lot of seniors that even who ride those bikes and are very athletic. But I have the more cruiser style bike, you know, with the higher handlebars and the nice cushion yeah. seat, and uh, uh, yes, and with the electric assist, so you can yeah. ride for hours on those. 
without getting too exhausted or uncomfortable. Well, yeah, that's, I think that would be less overwhelming for me because then I'd know I could exert as much energy as I want, but if I'm tired, I can kind of let the bike do more that day or, you know, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I I have a friend who's a college professor and he rides his bike to work every day and it's a little far. You don't want to get to work completely sweaty. So he he has an e-bike and that way he can kind of, you know, go back and forth on the, the exertion. Yeah. Right. So he probably, he probably takes it, he probably takes it easy going to work and then maybe do a little more hard exercise going home perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It works out great. For you, your bike is your freedom. You, you were specific about that, right? Yes. I, you know, as a child, I think this is a, a common thing you're here from baby boomer generation people. The bike really was our first taste of freedom. You know, we were able to get our bike and ride around town. And back in those days, you know, it was pre-cell phone and before we worried about our kids as much as we do now. I mean, I'd be out for hours on my bike. You know, his parents had no idea where I was and no way of reaching me. I had no way of calling home. And I'd just be out exploring the town. And that was typical for my generation. It was a lot of fun. By the way, when I went to yeah. the Netherlands this year, I did a bike tour in the Netherlands. Uh, I found kids wow. over there. Kids over there have the same freedom today. It's really interesting to see like 12 and 13, 14 year old kids who over here in the house can't, in the U.S., they can't go anywhere without mama or daddy taking them in the car. Over there, they just hop no. on their bike and ride because they have such great bike infrastructure and trails that kids over there have much That's more amazing. freedom. And it reminded me of my own childhood. Yeah, I'm jealous. You know, when I was a kid, it was the same. I, you know, it was just bye, mom. And then it'd be back for dinner. Yes. I'd throw my bike on the front yes. lawn and it, it mm-hmm. was there the next morning. <laughs> you know, I miss that. Yeah. And even the, but now with my son, who's, when he gets older, I, it's going to be hard for me to give him that freedom that I had. And, and I guess that's something I need to explore, but, but yeah, I totally agree. And would you say that, well, I, I guess one thing I wanted to point out to the, some of that, the aspiring happy retirees listening is that, you know, when you're looking for a core pursuit, it doesn't have to be something you've never once thought of. You don't have to hang glide naked or some, some crazy thing, you know, yeah. I, for you, it, it was, things you already liked and you went to those and and that makes you happy. So it doesn't have to be some crazy thing. It can be the core pursuits can be the passions you have always loved. Yes. Cause I've always, I've always owned a bicycle. Yeah. Depending on what was going on in my life and career. Some years I rode more than others. I wasn't always a passionate cyclist, but I've always owned a bike. I always kind of consider myself a bicycle guy, but really with of course, having more time when you get to retirement age, even working part-time, I have time to work in bike rides during the day. That helps. But also the introduction of the e-bike technology, which is a fairly new thing, has again made bike riding more fun and possible. On my bike I had before, I was already getting to the point where I wasn't looking forward to the next hill. You know, hills hills <laughs> or wind was just like, yeah, you know, this isn't fun, you know, riding a bike yeah. into the wind. But now with no. the bike, I mean, you just cut right through the wind. It's not a problem or go up the hill. And so, particularly as a senior, it uh, I ride more now than I ever have in my life. And it's because of the oh. e-bike technology. Yeah, that's great. I, I hadn't ridden in a while and I went out riding. And like you said, the wind was coming at me. Yeah. And yes. I realized uh, this is a lot harder than it used to be. <laughs> you need an e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need an e-bike. <laughs> Okay, so in addition to biking and riding, you and your wife, Kathy, one yes. of your 
core pursuits would be traveling. Yes, we we enjoy traveling. As I said, we went to Europe uh, late this summer, early fall. And of course, I had to work in some cycling with that. So I did a five-day bike tour through the Netherlands, which is a wonderful experience. And anyone who likes to cycle at all, I definitely recommend Holland. It's a great place to go and cycle. But we went to Germany and Switzerland too. So we enjoy travel. Now, that's probably our most exotic trip we've done so far. Most of our travel has been here in the States or maybe a cruise or something you know, like that here in North America. But really, it's just a factor of time and money. You know, I would love to travel yeah. a lot more than what we do, but we try to get in at least one big trip a year. Tell me about some of the trips. So this year was the Netherlands? Yes, Netherlands and Germany. Yeah, last year we did actually, I did two trips. My wife was with me on one of them. The bike trip I told you about to northern Idaho, Coeur d'Alene. All right. I did solo. I drove from a Texas house up there. I have a, we have a minivan. And one thing I enjoy doing when it's just me is I camp in my minivan. And so oh. it's, 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 we're not really camper people. We haven't done a lot of camping. We've never owned an RV. But my minivan is one of those where you can drop all the seats into the floorboard. And I can put up a bed back there and, you know, buy a few essentials that you need for camping and throw my bike in the back too, in the minivan and off I go. So I went up through Colorado and Wyoming and Montana and then Idaho and stopped along the way. And I rode bikes in uh, at least three of those states and had a lot of fun, but that was just me. And then now I was grateful. My wife was uh, nice enough to let me go and, I, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I do that on my own. I was gone for about three weeks from the home. But then uh, later <laughs> the in the boss gave summer, you some time off. Is that... <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah. She said, please, she said, please go. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> stay, stay as long as you want. But yeah. <laughs> then later, the two of us together went up to uh, northern Michigan, uh, along the Lake Michigan, oh. uh, Petoskey and Traverse City. Just gorgeous country in the summertime beautiful lake. And uh, there again, uh, yeah, I did some biking while I was there, but we also did things that she enjoyed. We went to Frankenmuth, which is a German village in, in Michigan. We went to Mackinac Island and uh, yeah, did saw the sights there. So we had a good time. You know, the host of our flagship podcast, Retire Sooner, uh, Wes Moss, he loves Michigan. In fact, yeah. he he won't even go through a, a podcast interview without asking someone what what's your favorite place to visit in Michigan. Like that's his specific question. So uh, I hear about Michigan a lot. I, I feel like I need to go there. Well, it's a little bit embarrassing for me since I'm a graduate of a, uh, the Ohio State University to uh, see how much yeah. I enjoy Michigan. Yeah. But <laughs> I do. I, I know just, you. I don't you're go you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> I just avoid yeah, it. If you avoid Ann Arbor, I, maybe it's okay. I don't, yeah. Uh, but it's, it, Michigan is a beautiful state. There's so much to see. In fact, that's one of the places I would very much like to go back to and, and see again. Yeah, for sure. I, and same I guess here. Our, our other main travel pursuit, back 30 years ago, we bought some timeshare weeks uh, down on the southwest coast of Florida, a town called Marco Island, just south of Naples. Okay. And it was kind of sleepy at the time. It has since uh, emerged into a really first-class resort area. As the whole Naples and Southwest Florida area has grown and matured. And so we still go down there and usually one or both of our children and their husbands will join us, you know, for, for a part of the time at the beach. So we love that beach. We're kind of beach people and we enjoy going down oh, there okay. and just sort of chilling and, you know, read books, play in the water, do those things, just rest. 
And, you know, speaking of books and, well, traveling in a van, there's a great book called Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck that he, I guess he was in more of a camper, but uh, okay. I don't know how you did. Your, I don't know how you did your laundry, but the next time you might want to consider, he, he he would put it in a bucket, and then just the shaking from driving would, would wash his clothes for him. So give that yeah, a try next time. I, I should read that book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we find in our research that the happiest retirees they live near at least one of their adult children, or I guess mm-hmm. half. But you have, wait, how many, how many daughters do you have? Did you say we have two daughters and one's in North Carolina and one's in Texas. So they're very spread out. Okay. And then again, our, our main home was in Florida before our granddaughter was born. So, so we do spend uh, roughly half the year with our younger daughter and our grandchild. And of course our son-in-law in Texas, we live about 15 minutes from them. So we see them okay. quite often. Usually have our granddaughter over for a sleepover at least once a week. Yeah, you had said that. I thought that was so cool. So pretty much every week she comes over, yeah. spends a night. You put the training wheels on. I don't know if it's an e-bike or a bike, but <laughs> just a bike. You, oh, it's just a bike. She's got yeah. young legs. Yeah, and you and you go out and ride in the park with her and and just yes. have a great time. Yeah, a nice park nearby with some paved trails and so she enjoys going with me. Uh, I feel like I'm hopefully raising a, the next generation of cyclists you know, this way. Yeah, instilling that love, instilling that love of bicycling in her. So it's a lot of fun, something she and I can do together. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if you find this, but I've noticed with my son, my parents and my wife's parents, all of a sudden they're super sweet. They were a little more, you know, disciplinarians for us. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know if you're with your granddaughter, you're probably, you know, the sweet guy. (laughs) We have fun. She calls me a silly papa. So yeah, you know, it's fun to be able to. Papas play a special role, I think, with young children, you know, where you can't goof, goof around with them a lot and don't have to be too serious. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we find social groups can be a really important part of, of staying happy in retirement. And you had mentioned that most of your social circle comes from church. Yes, yeah, so I said, we're, we're both people of faith, and so we're, we're pretty involved in church. And so... Yeah, we've, uh, we're in a Bible class there on Sunday mornings that is made up of people our age. It's probably 50 people or so in the class, good-sized class. All of us are, you know, the grandparent age. And so we get together. In fact, we just had a luncheon yesterday uh, for the senior group at our church. And we usually have a, a dinner at someone's home at least once a month. And to do things together, and occasionally just service projects, too, you know, for the church or the community. So it's a good group, and we have found most of our our friends tend to come from that church experience. And do you have a church in Texas, and you have another one in Florida? How do you navigate <laughs> yeah, that? We do. We, so we belong to two, yeah, uh, which is a little weird at times. And being away for a few months, you come back, and it seems like things have changed. And who are those new people? Yeah. And you know, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> even in six months, there's a certain turnover of people at a church, so. So that's why you know, I said earlier in life, I thought by now I might be an officer of my church or you know, have a more permanent robe. I can't do that because of my transitory nature. My job in Florida, yeah. too, involves I work at, as I said, representing a children's home. And much of our support and donations come from churches and the members of those mm. churches. So a lot of my weekends in Florida, I'm out visiting churches, speaking at churches about the children's home work. And so. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to spend at my own 
home church where, yeah, where I belong in Florida. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're still doing good uh, net good. Uh, <laughs> yes. Even though you're yeah, meet, some, you know. meet some great people. I mean, we've made friends, uh, you know, through some of those church connections. Sometimes when you go to speak on Sunday morning, they'll say, why don't you come on Saturdays to our house overnight? And yeah, so we've made some great contacts and friendships in Florida as well through the children's home experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how did you choose your original retirement date? Well, I think like many of us in their early or mid sixties, even if we wanted to retire, we really can't because of the health insurance issue. So I really never thought I could even consider retirement until 65. And then it's like, well, my social security full retirement year for my, for me, this changed now, but for we're 66. So I thought, well, okay, I'll work one more year at 66. But it was sometime in that period of time, actually, I guess when I was 65, that our granddaughter was born. And so I went ahead and went part-time and went on, on Medicare. And so okay. that made, made retirement possible. But, you know, as far as my part-time gig, I really don't have an end date in mind. My employer might, if we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess my, I could be done at any time, maybe tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> I feel like right now I can still contribute to the work there. You know, it's it's white collar work. I realize if I was working on utility lines or paving streets, I would probably have had to retire earlier. I get that. So everybody's situation yeah. is different. But when you do white collar work and you're in reasonably good health, there's really no reason you have to retire unless you just want to. So I still find enjoyment and what I do and feel like I can contribute to a good cause. And so. I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll quit at some point, but I don't know when that point yeah. is yet. You're coming to a white collar job, but you could still wear a blue collared shirt if you want, right? There's That's no. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so th this sort of, sort of it sort of brings up the point of of the definition of retirement because you you are retired, but you're kind of not retired, and but that's at least something that I'm trying to point out to our listeners is. Retirement doesn't have to mean what you think it means or right. what you used to think it means. It's just sort of a change. You do less of the things you didn't like and more of the things you want to do, right? So that would you say that's kind of how you define it? Yes. In fact, I think my situations are becoming much more common and may even become the norm you know, going forward for a lot of reasons. For some people, of course, it's financial necessity. They have to keep working. I think ideally it's better you know, if you can be able to choose. Yeah, in other words, you could yeah. get by. I mean, that's our situation. We could we could manage okay without my job financially, but that's a nice situation to be in where you can choose. I mean, I could choose to quit, or I could choose to keep working, and that's that's ideal. And I think there's a lot of satisfaction in having that option. But really, you know, uh, you, you know, you see the seventy-five year old ladies cashiering at the grocery store and things. And sometimes you think, oh, you know, pity her. But the reality is, she's probably happier doing that than she'd be sitting at home. So whether she's doing yeah. it by choice, about financial necessity, either way, she probably finds a lot of fulfillment in getting up and going to that job every day. Yeah, you know, I, this is a sort of a similar theme in a much smaller way, but I've mm -hmm. noticed that on, on days when I'm feeling kind of down or, or just off, I just go take a walk. And it's just something about that movement. Uh, yes. Things start to flow a little bit, you know, so it's in retirement, it's yeah, kind of a similar thing. If you're out there doing things, your juices are flowing, you're maybe you're releasing endorphins. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor, although I could become one later in life if I want um, using that lady <laughs> of inspiration. That's right. 
Uh, <laughs> right? um, I think too, we yeah. all need that social element. You know, people, we're, we're social creatures. We need other people in our lives. And one of the risks of retirement, especially, you know, if, if, you, if you're a widowed or widower or not married, the tendency is to hoe up in your house to become more of a, of a hermit, so to speak, more isolated and not have a lot of social interaction with other people. Now, I think that's very unhealthy. So again, yeah. whether you're a, a cashier at the supermarket or doing whatever, or again, volunteer work, doesn't have to be a paid job, but doing something like that to keep active is healthier for you. You're probably going to live longer and maybe be happier than if you just stayed home, ever bid, watch TV. I can't imagine to me a worse retirement than sitting and watching TV all day. I would not want to do that. Yeah, unless there's a college football game on, then you might consider it. <laughs> yes, especially the Buckeyes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you consider the biggest challenges that you faced along the journey of retirement or semi-retirement? I guess knowing when to quit is, is sometimes hard. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you look at yourself and say, you know, you're getting older. You know, are you still relevant? You know, can you still do the job? In my case, so far, I think the answer is yes, but sometimes you, you wonder if you're objective enough to make that call. So sometimes knowing you know, when to slow down, when to quit, how much of your time you should spend family with, you know, with your spouse and doing personal stuff versus being engaged in work activities or even other pursuits. And so I know guys, and they love doing what they do, but I mean, literally, some of them spend half a day or more on their bicycle. And, oh. uh, you know, uh, I don't really want to do that even. I think you got to try to yeah. find that balance of spending time, you know, if you're married, of course, with your spouse, because those years are precious too. You know, you never know how many more of those years you're going to have together. And so it's really important to be able to enjoy that time together and balance that with whatever else it might be you're doing in life. And if you're fortunate enough to have kids or grandkids nearby, you know, that you get along with, then it's great to spend time with them too. Yeah. So it, in that way, it sounds like you're saying the some of the main limitations in retirement are, are more physical. So that the mental and emotional, you've been able to maybe stretch your wings more, but with physically you're, you know, I better not ride my bike as long or maybe you don't want to anyway, but is that kind of what you're saying or well, did I get that I wrong? I guess it's just the, the time constraints, I suppose, you know, how much oh, okay. of your time do you want to spend in leisure activities versus work versus family or maybe versus again, volunteering. So I think, like you said before, even us seniors complain a lot about lack of time. And that's true because you want to do so many different things. But I think, yeah, to me, happiness is trying to find a good balance there where I'm not ignoring my wife because I have a job. I'm not ignoring my kids and not ignoring your health because that's something we haven't touched on much yet. But I think for seniors, it's really important to make your health a priority. Of course, it helps if you've been doing that all along and not waiting until yeah. you're 65. <laughs> but yeah, you know, exercise and of course getting rest that you need, watching your diet, all those things are really important as you age. Yeah, well, we all have a different set of circumstances. You know, uh, some have health issues that are not their fault at all. But in many cases, our lifestyle creates additional health problems that we wouldn't have otherwise. And so, you know, bad habits, et cetera. So I think, you know, trying to live, a, I guess, what you call a clean life and taking care of yourself exercising, I think is really important because to me, it's not about extending the quantity or length of my life. You know, when I go, I go, that's all right. I've had good, I've had a good life, you know, so I don't worry about how many okay. more years I'm going to live, hopefully a long time, but you know, I don't 
But yeah. what I do worry about is being able to stay independent, to be able to stay in control of my life, not having someone else push me around that wheelchair, so to speak. So those good health habits and exercise will help you stay independent and productive longer. Right. And if it's a wheelchair, it could be an e-wheelchair. E <laughs> that you way bet. you keep the pain going. <laughs> yes. I, I will definitely want to stay mobile as long as I can. Yeah, some way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, wife, my wife has a three-wheel electric bike. You know, it's called an e-trike. And so oh. I joke with her that, you know, when I can't ride a bike anymore, that's what I'll do is get one of those and keep riding. <laughs> I didn't know I those can. existed. Yes. That's, she, that's really cool. She was having some balance issues. Uh, some seniors, you know, do. Actually, some people of all ages, I guess, have balance problems. But yeah, she rode a bike before and, and really never crashed or, you know, had a problem. But in her mind, she was losing her confidence. And it wasn't fun anymore for fear that she would fall. Yeah. So she got an electric trike and has had uh uh, has really enjoyed it. So that may be my, my final bicycle I'll have one of these days. <laughs> hey, whatever works, <laughs> you know? And you speak about that balance. I already find that because I get into this this dilemma where, oh, if I'm working too much, I feel like I'm neglecting my family. But if I'm hanging out with my family, I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job at work. Yes. So it seems like that yes. challenge continues into re retirement. You just have new, maybe new scenarios for it. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. Plus, you get the idea and uh, more doctor appointments. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it seems Fun. Go, yeah, <laughs> it seems to come with this age. You know, I used to, you know, we used to joke about old people talk about their aches and pains and doctor appointments, but I, I'm I'm kind of one of those now. And yeah, so that does become a, another factor in your life that you didn't have when you were younger, working working around all that schedule. I want to get into the fine print of your deductible and cope. No, I, I don't. Uh, all that stuff's never very fun. <laughs> okay, so you have said that in terms of people following your example, I tried to get you to tell me about that, and, and I know it's a very tough question. But one thing you said that I, that I loved was you said everyone's road to happiness will be different. Maybe talk a little bit about that so that people don't feel pressure to do things one way or another. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, I said some people get their enjoyment from work. I mean, Warren Buffett is still working. I mean, why is he? He's in his nineties, I believe. Yeah, he's up there. And obviously, he has enough money he could retire if he chose to and not work anymore. But he still works. So he's he to him, that's how he finds his satisfaction, fulfillment in life is working. Other people, you know, again, I mean, if you can play golf or whatever your sport or pursuit is, I don't mean just to pick on golfers, but if that's where you find <laughs> happiness and you, you sometimes, of course, you get that social element, the exercise through doing a sport, uh, pickleball, of course, is incredibly popular right now with the senior yeah. crowd. And so, you know, whether it's through an activity like that, that you find your fulfillment or doing volunteer work, everybody thinks it's going to have a different way of discovering what works for them and makes them happy and keeps them active and healthy. You know, again, the worst case scenario is just to sit at home. And to be isolated, not to be around other people, uh, I think the future's not going to be too good if that's if that's the path you're taking. And that's what happens yeah. to so many people who look forward to retirement. And then they retire. They don't have a plan. They find, well, you know, this is kind of boring. So next thing you know, yeah. six months or a year later, they're back to work again. And so you got to have something that gets you out of the house and that gives you some purpose and you know, kind of keeps your, your juices flowing, so to speak, and creatively intellectually, all those ways. 
Yeah, in a way, everyone's road to happiness will be different. Just make sure you're not sitting on the side of the road. That that's the way it's yeah, that's turn great. Bad. Hey, oh, that's, thank I you. like that. Very good. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm. <laughs> I have a few good ideas now and then, but don't expect them. Very often. Uh, okay, so I was asking you for a few suggestions that people could take into their own life, and and I just I'm going to summarize them real quick. And then I want you to add to them or correct me or, or whatever you feel. First, you said find a purpose. Second, take good care of your health. Third, be an optimist. And then you said kind of a three and a half or four would be be open to change. And I really loved how you said, including new ideas and technology. Don't complain about it. It's inevitable, so you can't stop it. Yes. Uh, which makes me, right now, makes me think of AI. And, and much of it's going to be good. So yes, there are challenges, but a lot of it could be good, so don't fret. You know, yes. How, how did those? How did I do? Does that sound kind of like your suggestions? Yes, it is. Right, uh, I think so. I really think. I guess it boils down to attitude, largely. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you got to keep a a positive, optimistic attitude. Got to kind of see the cup as half full, not half empty, and not be a complainer. And yeah, uh, it's just really no one wants to be around someone that's a whiner no. and a yeah. complainer. So. It's not doing yourself any good either. And sometimes people get fretful about the world and everything. I'll tell people sometimes, yeah, I know other seniors who have a lot of time on their hands. They spend hours a day just watching the news on TV. And then they get all fretful. So, so why don't you just yeah. stop watching the news? Just go out and do something, you know, get out of the house, turn off the TV set. It's, they, they get too wrapped up in all that stuff. Yeah. So I think you, you've got to keep an optimistic attitude. How, Whatever that means, you know, you, whatever changes you have to make to get there, it may be harder for some people, but, and at this stage of life, and we all know our, our, our health isn't always going to be great. You're going to have bad days. Most of us have some kind of health problems, but you can't let that define you. You can still push forward, be the best that you can. And, and I guess one thing too, I didn't maybe mention, maybe I did, but I think try to define the younger people perhaps that you can be a mentor to, or be an influence for, obviously if you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, that's a kind of a built-in target audience for you. But in some cases, too, it might be, you know, neighbor children or, or even a neighbor family. Uh, I've become much more sensitive, to, for instance, to single-parent families because our children's home has a ministry for that. Mm. And we oh, I've talked to, a lot of, talked to a lot of single moms and kind of learned about their plights. We know maybe you've got someone like that in your neighborhood or someone that's been recently divorced that has children who really could just use some some mom and pop kind of influences in their life with them and their children and someone who could help with the kids maybe you know there's just so many different things we do if we keep our eyes open and look around us there are people who might could benefit from our our wisdom and experience but also just from our maybe extra time we have to to help them or their children that they don't have when they're working two or three jobs trying to keep make ends meet and also have children to raise yeah absolutely gosh i love that i love that well, Dave, before we go, I want people to be able to find more wisdom from you even after this podcast. Obviously, this will be the highlight of your life, right? But um, of course, but because I know you want to write some other things. Tell our listeners where they can find your work. Okay. I have two blogs. As you said, This Retirement Life is the name of one. And it's all about retirement living. But again, from a kind of an upbeat, positive uh, approach, I interview people like Owen Mitchell who have a story to tell. He was and the then, pickleball champ that we. Yes, pickleball yeah. champ. Yeah, but amazing guy for many other reasons too. And 
And then This E-Bike Life is the other one. Now, for both blogs, I have a corresponding Facebook page and a, a Twitter feed or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Under the same name. So you can find me on any of those. I like the uh, social media feeds, actually, because I don't just post my work there, but I try to search the, the web and other sources and come up with stories of interest to people who might be e-bike riders or re- yeah, retirees, senior adults. And so I find stories okay. of interest to them that, yeah, from other sources and share those on my Facebook page or on my uh, Twitter feed. So you might enjoy following me on those social media sites. On the blog, I do have an email subscription. Of course, it's free and you can drop anytime you want, unsubscribe. But if you want to follow my stories as they come out, you can just sign up with your email address on either of those two blogs. And then, of course, my okay. book. Can I give a promo for my book? This is the book. Go for it. It's called E-Bikes, Putting the Fun Back Into Cycling and Life at Any Age. So again, it, it was written more for the senior audience to get them back into cycling and to introduce them to electric bikes. But it would be, I think, an enjoyable read really for anyone of, of any age, any adult. So that and book where, is- And uh, people can find, they can order it on where? Yes, on Amazon. It's available in, in uh, this is the paperback version. Or, or in an ebook format. And then okay. most of the other formats, are like Barnes & Noble Online or Apple Online, those bookstores, it's available only in the ebook format. Okay. Okay, great. Well, Dave Hogan, thank you so much for being on the Happiest Retirees podcast. It's been a pleasure, Ryan. I've enjoyed it. And I think it's a great idea you have here for this broadcast. Oh, thank you. Like I said, I have a, I have a great idea every, I don't know, 10 years or so. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you best. And I'll, I will be much more keenly interested in hearing some of your other podcasts now after we've had this uh, oh. time together. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.